And PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. When you get the carpets clean, get them Zero Res clean. Don't have it any other way. Just $33 per room clean. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today at 801-288-9376. Or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're broadcasting live from the Ogden Country Club. Chamber of Commerce weather. Blue skies, temperatures in the low 60s right now. It'll heat up later today. Of course, all this was orchestrated by Jay Hill. He does, he does control a lot of things here in Ogden, including the weather for Weber State Golf Tournaments. Coach, good morning. That's a pretty amazing deal, huh, to control everything and the weather. <laughs> nice. You are powerful. Yeah. I like it. It is a beautiful day today. Good day for golf. So, I am curious here, uh, you were, as you sat down here, you were chatting a little bit about injuries, which is a topic we were talking about earlier. You know, there is a lot being made in the NBA playoffs of how many stars are injured. And a lot of people want to put it on, well, they're playing so many games in such a tight period. The best teams like the Lakers had a short turnaround from the end of the playoffs last year. And I brought it up with PK this morning. It seems like every day we do the uh, what is trending. And in baseball, what is trending is injuries. Mm-hmm. Syndergaard just got shut down. And somebody else is out for six weeks. And it's just nonstop. And then you sit down and said, getting guys ready for a spring season in the winter was tricky. And you think that might have been a contributing factor to some injuries. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because we, when, when we let our players go for Thanksgiving, so this was November 24th, when we let them go, I couldn't even see them again until January 11th. Couldn't, couldn't do any workouts, no nothing, until January 11th. And then we got to be ready to start what was spring camp January 29th, full practices mm-hmm. going. Tw- and and that's you don't even have three weeks to get your guys in shape, get them ready to go. And so uh, it did. It mounted for us. It's mounting right now in the professional sports. It, it was such a weird year. I'm, I'm hoping we're back to normal come fall. So, so you played your six games, Jay, and now you got 97 days before you line up against the Utes. Is this off season, however long it takes before you get back together, is it going to be any different compared to the normal off season that you would usually have? Well, right now, no. Uh, I, I think as much as possible, we're trying to make this as similar as a normal summer as possible. Um, I actually just left a morning workout this morning, so our players are back on campus right now. They're working out. They're running and lifting. Um, I'm hoping that we are completely back to normal for the rest of this summer and then fall camp. So do you think that the, there is something to the everything you do over the course of not just the season of the camp, but the three, four, five, six, seven months leading up to it are all critical to be able to get through the season healthy? Absolutely. The, the year... The calendar is now a full year, and it's it's a process to get these guys healthy and ready to play and get them banged enough to where they're used to the contact. Because if you go out there and you just you don't practice, you can't keep them healthy. If you don't bang, you can't keep them healthy because the body has to get used to that. So there's got to be enough banging that that you can keep them healthy, but not so much that you're creating injuries from the practice. And that's a new deal. The NCAA just came out with the new practice schedule for fall camp that's drastically reducing the number of days that we can be in full pads and can have full contact. Yeah, I saw that. So are you comfortable with that? 
Uh, no, I think most coaches voted against it because we would like to have a little bit more freedom on how we're going to do that ourselves within our programs. And the NCA is restricting, you know, a lot of those contact days. I don't think it's far off of what we normally would do, but now we have seven days mandatory in helmets only where before you only had three. And, I mean, there, there, there's some big differences now that are occurring in just, you know, how we can practice and how much we can hit. Uh, I would rather be able to just gauge my own team on where we're at and, and not have the rules so strict. You know, I know when uh, we had you on before your spring season started, we started doing the math, and I forget what it was, but you had it like we could play 25 games in the next 50 weeks or something. Now, ultimately, it doesn't work out that way because of how far you progress in the playoffs because you didn't play the regular season game with Cal Poly. They shut their season down. So do you think these games that were played in the spring are going to be too much when you add the games in the fall on it? Or was the spring season short enough – it's going to be okay. I, I, it's going to be okay. Yeah, there's no way we can use that as an excuse. The only thing that came about was you have a few injuries. Like we had a knee injury on our last regular season game in the spring. We're not going to have that kid back till midseason. Where had you not played that season, who knows, maybe he doesn't get hurt. Maybe he would have got hurt in the spring game. You never know. I mean, it, But the timing of that would have been no different than if we had a spring game. We finished one week later than like the University of Utah who went through a normal spring practice. It wasn't that much different. How do you think the one-time transfer rule is going to affect your level of football? You know, that's uh, an interesting question. I don't know. Uh, I think there will be some players with opportunities to move up and some players to move on, but I don't think it's going to be drastic. Last year there were 99 FCS players that got taken by FBS programs. 25 of those guys end up being full-time starters is all, and 46 of them never saw the field of the 99. And so I don't think you're going to see an enormous trend of our guys bumping up bouncing around I, I just I don't believe that um, but you never know so as a coach I hear you quote those numbers and I just feel Jay like you've had to have that conversation with a parent or a high school coach or the kid himself and so you prepped and you got all the info but I wonder how many how much of this is driven by specific conversations and how much all this is driven by a bigger more kind of general feeling on the part of a player or his parents or the, co- the high school coach, whoever's advising him? Well, I think it's all of our fears in today's world that if things aren't working out, you just you move. You, you find a new job. You go do something different. Things aren't working out, going exactly the way you had planned, so you move on. And unfortunately, that's trickling down to the players. If things aren't going exactly their way as a freshman or a sophomore, they're wanting to move on. Flip, when I was playing in college football – very few players played early in their careers like that as freshmen and sophomores. You had to go into a program and work and claw and dig and earn your playing time. You weren't just given it. And now these kids, at the first sign of trouble, a lot of them are wanting to leave and get re-recruited because they like being recruited. And uh, I just don't think that that's the process for success. If you look across the country, how many of these transfers are truly going to the next school and playing a lot better than at the school they were at. Uh, I just don't see that. You know, for a couple elite quarterbacks like the Justin Fields and a couple of those guys that have done it, I mean, everybody knew that those guys were good enough. Uh, But it's not working out that way for the majority of them, in my opinion. Okay, so you talk about maybe 
from your level, kids won't go up, so to speak, to the perceived higher level of football. I'm also wondering, sometimes your level gets kids who come down, but now with the free transfer, how do you think the flow of that will be? Because now they don't necessarily have to come down where they could be immediately eligible to play at your level. They could stay at their level that they were originally recruited to. Do you see where I'm going with that? Yep. No, PK, you're very smart on this subject because that's what's going to affect us much more. That's what's going to affect us much more is we used to get those transfers that could drop down to FCS and be immediately eligible. And so we'd get those kids with two years left that hadn't played yet in their FBS programs drop down and you know be pretty good players for us. Now my thought is the majority of those guys are going to try to move laterally first. And if they can't, then they'll come down to us. Um, so I do think that that scenario is going to affect us much more. Now, we at Weber State were not a big transfer program. I wasn't taking a bunch of them. I've kind of always felt that the majority of the guys that are transferring are transferring for a reason. Either they weren't good enough, they're bringing some baggage, or something was going on. The majority of them. Now, sometimes you get a transfer and they're phenomenal, but uh, we, we just have not got into that market too much. Yuck, you got that cut up for a drop there? PK, you're very smart. I think Jay just set himself up right there. I know. I, I, I saw the I didn't reaction. hear what he said. Could, could, could you say that again, Jay? <laughs> no, but really, I mean, that's the, you're right. That's probably going to affect us more than, say, the other things we were talking about. Jay Hill joining us, Weber State football coach. We're at the Ogden Country Club, and they're getting ready to tee it up here, golf tournament to uh, – Raise some money, support the Wildcats, and get all the Wildcats together to have some fun and get the energy all revved up and pumped up. And Jay is grinning. We remember you last year. It was right there. Yeah. Uh, Gripping that driver and just smacking that ball 300 yards down the middle of the fairway. I can get lucky every once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) I I love this sport because it's so freaking hard, but I can't master it for some reason, so. It's because you're coaching too much and not playing enough golf. You're right. <laughs> we just right. cut to the chase. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> if you were golfing four days a week, you're on the uh, Lavelle schedule. Yeah. You know, you could change it. I, I wish I could do that. Someday, maybe. Someday. Yeah. So I'm curious how much your life is about to change here because we've heard coaches talking about, well, recruiting is so different in the pandemic. It's Everything's a Zoom. We've had to learn how to set up campus tours, uh, some taped, sometimes doing them live with coaches Football, you have a bigger staff. Basketball coaches, they had guys running all around campus with their phones and all that. But you're about to go old school and, and be allowed to go back out on the road. Well, and we need that. The, the, it, it's, it's what the high school seniors and the junior college players deserve and need. It's what we need as coaches to be able to get out and assess these players in person. That, that's such a critical part of recruiting. Like I, I've made it a rule on our staff, I will not take a quarterback on scholarship if I've not seen them throw in person. Like, I don't want to do that. So we need to be able to get out to their game. We need to be able to get out and watch them warm up for a game or into their spring practices or something because I don't want to take these quarterbacks without seeing them throw in person. It's, It's amazing how much you can be deceived by film or stats. And we need in our recruiting process to see these players live. You take any satisfaction that when you had Fessy Sataki, Weber State was the first one to recognize Zach Wilson's greatness? Absolutely we do. Yeah, I mean, Fessy had loved Zach from 
for a long time. And I had known Zach Wilson when he was coming to Utah football camps when he was six years old. And to watch that kid progress and become what he did was awesome. And then, you know, to have Fessy love him so much in high school and to see what he became, um, you know, that's he's still probably my favorite quarterback I've ever seen in person live, you know, in the recruiting process. I loved him that day we had him in camp. So I'm curious, when did you look at him and see an NFL player? Because I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but you and Cougar fans, there might have been a little back and forth on yeah. him and BYU season. Well, and I, I get that. <laughs> um, and I think he's going to be a good pro. I really do because he's got, he's got arm talent, he's athletic, and, and he wants to be great. Uh, but, yeah, the day we had him in camp, this was going into his senior year. The day we had him in camp, there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to be a phenomenal player. Uh, and, and he showed all those things that particular day. Good, fast, clean release, good arm strength, mobility. He was athletic. Now, d- did we know at the time that he was going to be an NFL guy? Absolutely not. Anyone who says that they knew it at that point is lying to you. But he had all the tools to become that. Do you, have, you ever wonder in recruiting, and you obviously you give a strong endorsement on Zach Wilson, why sometimes people are under-recruited, why they're over-recruited? I mean, how does that work? Well, recruiting's not an exact science. We all know that. You're going to hit on some and you're going to miss on some. Um, even the best recruiters are right probably three out of four times, so that means they're missing one out of four, and that's the really good ones. Um, but there's certain things that you're looking for, like we were in Zach Wilson and, and some of these other kids that some coaches see and some coaches don't see it as well as others. You know, that that particular year, I don't know exactly what was out there, but who knows, maybe everybody's looking for the the big-armed 6'4 guy that Zach's not. Zach was probably a six one and a half, skinny, 175 pounds in high school, and they might have been looking for someone bigger, but... We at our level have to look for those kind of bodies that are going to grow into what, they, what he has become. How many Mountain West Conference talent-level players do you think you were able to land at Weber State recruiting during the pandemic? Most of our class last year I thought was Mountain West caliber. Uh, we were able to up the level of player um, that, we, that we did get. I just, I just think those kids, especially the ones in the state of Utah, were top-notch, big-time guys. We signed a corner out of Texas that just ran 10-5. Um, I mean, he's going to come to Weber State as one of the fastest guys we've ever had. It just elite-level kids that didn't get signed last year that I think will be phenomenal players for us. Yeah, I was thinking like a kid like Noah Kerr, a corner, who I think led the country in receiving, and you're able to scoop him up. Yeah, Noah's going to be a great player. Spoke to him last night on the phone, and he just ran. He ran in the ten sevens this year in track. And I mean, the the reality is the football in the state of Utah continues to get better. And a, a player like a Noah Carey is going to come into our program and be a phenomenal player uh, because he's got what it takes to be great. He's tough, hard worker. And he's got great hands, runs great routes, has been coached since he was a little tyke from his dad. I mean, he's going to be a great player. Except his dad is sort of obnoxious, isn't he? <laughs> uh, well, I can't say that because i got to recruit that school for many years to come. <laughs> it's almost miraculous the way this happened, but your football schedule on a flyer appeared in front of me shortly after you sat down. Uh, that's, that's crazy the way that works. Yeah, I'm looking at the schedule here, and the first thing I noticed, six road games, and you've got 
Three of them are in-state. You're going to SUU, you're going to Dixie State, and you got the opener Utah, obviously, plus the Idaho State game. you got four bus trips. How much do you like a schedule when you don't get on airplanes? How valuable is that? Well, I actually like the bus trips. It's a great time for our players to be together. It's a great time to bond. Um, I really like the road trips. Now, you don't want to take the, you know, the 10-hour ones, but <laughs> these ones are awesome, and I like them. Um, but, you know, the, the part, part of the greatness of college football is travel, and I don't mind a couple bus trips. Four is the most we've ever taken, though. Yeah. If you need a little insight into Corner Canyon, you just let me know because I sleep with somebody who uh, teaches there. Okay, I can't wait, and uh, I need you to be just massaging Weber State with all those high-level kids there, <laughs> and her doing the same. Wear the purple. Wear the purple all the time. Yep, I there agree. All right, Will, Jay, we appreciate a few minutes. We know you have to go out there and just start lacing those 300-yard drives down the middle of the fairway. Make the magic happen. Can't wait. I'm going to go do it. All right. There See it you is. Guys. Jay Hill, Weber State football coach, joining us here. We're at the Ogden Country Club. Weber State with their annual golf tournament, and uh, carts are all lined up. People are getting here, getting ready to go on a uh, fabulous, fabulous day. It was a little cloudy earlier this week, a little gray, but not today. Blue, sunshine, looks like an awesome day for golf. DJ and PK, more on the way. David Locke is here to talk NBA playoffs at 9 o'clock on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.